Welcome to ATM Talks. Hi, Deepa. Hi, Bhagwan. So, who are we talking about today in this first episode? We're going to be talking Christopher Hitchens, and we're talking about one of my favorite books that's written by him, arguably. It's a collection of about 101 essays spread over several pages. Okay. Hitchens. Now, Hitchens is a bit of a troublemaker, isn't he? <laughs> yes, he is. And it shows up in his essays as well, you know, where he, he obviously covers a range of topic. He, nothing is out of bounds for him. He talks about religion. He talks about political figures. He talks about books and the authors of those books, opinionated insights on every one of these topics. And you can see that he's seeking to provoke. He, he celebrates provoking. He celebrates he, and it's very entertaining. Yes. And I can see why you like him. <laughs> yes, I do. I, I, you like to provoke. I do. And you like to think about ideas, big ideas. So tell us, what is his major thought or idea? Well, I think it's reflected, you know, uh, in, in several pieces of the book. He's a very strong polemic crusader for rationality. rationality. So, so, you know, things that stand out are reasoned thought, tolerance, freedom, and his, his disdain or abhorrence to several isms that mark oppression, which is fascism, uh, imperialism, racism, and the biggest one of them all, totalitarianism. He After likes that. to question He likes everything. to question. He likes to question. And, and I think it's, it's reflected in his moral compass, George Orwell, a, a person who said that he has this ability and the power to face up to unpleasant facts, mm. right? So it shows up there. It shows up in his celebration of his adopted country, America, which, he's, which he celebrates as, uh, as a place that has a defining embrace of variety, reason, and revolutionaries and misfits, right? He believes that this is essential to cerebral thinking. It's, it's the definition of, uh, uh, of you know, uh, cerebral thought for him. And that shows up in various places. So that's what I like most Bhagwan about the book. His whole focus is not on what you think, it's how you think, how you think. that deserves attention in our lives. And we are teachers, we celebrate that too. We Correct. teach students how to think about Correct. ideas, Correct. not what. What you think is politics, how you think is a principle. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about this reasoned thinking. I think it's, uh, you know, two concepts come to mind, right? One is, uh, again, to quote Orwell, he says, orthodoxy is saying two and two, but making it five, mm -hmm. right? Based on what your faith says. So you have a fixed mindset and then that dictates how you think versus reasoned thinking is looking at two and two and then saying that it's four uh, based on your analysis of the facts on the table and your critical reflection of those facts. So why it is not five, why it must be four. Correct. I mean, the best kinds of decisions, if you believe, are those that are an outcome of and subject to analysis. For me, that's reasoned thinking, right? Uh, versus if it is subject to an, you know, a, a fixed ideology that does not revise itself based on analysis and facts, uh, that's orthodoxy. So for me, reasoned thinking in some way is, is the very opposite of that. But one might argue that for efficiency, we need a set of rules. We need what the corporation stands for. And that sounds like orthodoxy. That seems important too. For efficiency, don't you think we need that? I think it's a question, it's, it's based on what that structure that you've put in place is an outcome of. Jeff Bezos said this, right? He says, 
bureaucracy is not the establishment of processes. Bureaucracy is senseless processes. Has it come from reasoned argument and reasoned thinking? And are you willing to change it when you need to? Are you willing to change it when you need to? Right? Correct. Okay. So I think both of those define whether it's, it's orthodoxy or whether it's an outcome of uh, reasoned thinking. That's one. The second, Bhagwan, equally important is innovation. So many organizations that are doing well, they are well-established, have that issue that they're not able to innovate. They're doing well, they're very efficient. But when the world changes, suddenly they're caught off guard. Correct. We've discussed this in other atrium talks as well. We live in an unquestionably complex world yeah. that is changing ever so often. And change is often discontinuous, which means that who you are is insufficient to encounter and respond to the change that faces you. And therefore, I think, you know, you have to always be prepared to divorce an existing set of beliefs, an existing way of being and move into a new world. And therefore, you have to question how you did, what you are, your strategy, your beliefs, your culture, and be prepared to reinvent them and revise them in the face of new information. A, it's to recognize that the world is changing. Yeah. B, it's to give up a certain way of being and adopt a new way of being. And C, how you make that change, how many people are you bringing into the ambit of that decision making? Are you the one person making all of these decisions where everyone else is even scared to speak up? That's totalitarianism, right? Or are you in a position where you're willing to listen to critique, where you're willing to listen to questions? and respond to them and engage with them in your path to change. I think all of those are very hitch principles uh, okay. that, that apply to organizations. Okay. So I think the 21st century is going to be different because a lot of these things which we have given to bureaucracy or processes is going to be automated. Correct. Right? So we should leave human beings to pursue innovation and freedom and creativity and everything that's process related, we should just automate it. Correct. It's been famously said that when people experience you as a leader, they experience you as someone with better judgment. Yeah. Right? And good judgment comes from, of course, analytical foundations. It also comes from diversity of perspectives. And therefore, the ability to hold conflicting thoughts in one's mind, the ability to process diverse perspectives, the ability to absorb those and then respond with reasoned arguments, I think becomes critical to honing judgment for the new economy. So tolerance, diversity, listening to the other side, that's a very human judgment type of thing. And an intelligent human judge, uh, uh, quality. Intelligent human quality. Okay. But we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously though, right? Yeah, life is too short to be spent with people with a lack of sense of humor. But that's related to this issue of, of uh, uh, change and innovation. That whatever you think is the way of thinking, don't be hung up on that too much. I can see this relates to sense of humor. I can see it at a personal level that, you know, I shouldn't take myself too seriously. But how can organizations have a sense of humor? Well, governments can have a sense of humor. You I know? hope they should. <laughs> right. So we talked about this, you know, in, in an earlier episode when we talked about innovation. We talked about how uh, Feynman used to break into these military codes. And America had a sense of humor when they didn't throw him into prison for yes, it. Yes, yes. So that's, I think, an example of that, right? Where you're able to 
understand the context and the intent of uh, certain actions of certain people and not take them too seriously, but have a sense of humor about it. Including God. We shouldn't take God too seriously. That's for another episode, Bhagwan. That's for another episode. So Oscar Wilde famously said, I don't want to get go to heaven because none of my friends are going to be there. <laughs> what did Hitchens say? Hitchens said, never be a spectator for unfairness and stupidity. Pursue argument and disputation for their own sake. The grave will supply plenty of time for silence. What I do like what was said about Hitchens, though, Bhagwan, uh, the New York Times in its review of essays concluded that if God does not have a sense of irony, he will send Hitchens to the hottest precincts in hell. But if God has a sense of irony, Hitchens will spend eternity in a town that does not serve alcohol, does not serve any liquor and has no library. Either way, heaven will be a less interesting place. Thank you, Deepa. Thank you very much.